what's better in life than a bottle of wine, great food, and an amazing conversation? My name is Kate Sullivan, and I am the host of To Dine For. I'm a journalist, a foodie, a traveler with an appetite for the stories of people who are hungry for more. Dreamers, visionaries, artists, those who hustle hard in the direction they love. I travel with them to their favorite restaurant to hear how they did it. This show is a toast to them and their American dream. Thank you to the sponsors of To Dine For The Podcast, American National and Spiritless. To Dine For The Podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. For 115 years, American National has remained committed to helping people and communities make a real difference in their lives. American National supports great local community organizations led by the kind of people you hear about on To Dine For, people who are inspired to make a difference and inspire others in return. American National's philosophy is helping where it's needed helps us all. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write, and the states in which they're licensed, visit americannational.com dine. Spiritless supports the conscientious cocktailer who wants to live fully but drink differently. Their signature Kentucky 74 is a distilled non-alcoholic spirit for your favorite bourbon cocktails. It's zero alcohol zero guilt, and just 15 calories per serving. Whether you go completely spiritless or go halvesies with a foolproof bourbon to lower the ABV in your cocktail, you can get your bottle today at spiritless.com. Use promo code to dine for to get free shipping. Welcome to To Dine For, the podcast where we meet the world's most creative and innovative minds at their favorite restaurant. On today's episode is Joan Melendez Meisner. Even though we're scientists and engineers, even though I'm a, I'm a NASA engineer, I Google stuff. I don't know everything, <laughs> and that is okay. <laughs> I want people to know that you don't have to know everything to get into the field. But if you have a passion for science and math, you can still make it, and you can be any engineer, any scientist that you want if you really do work towards your dreams. Joan Melendez Meisner is a mission integration systems engineer at NASA working on management of space and aeronautical flight systems for all non-crewed and scientific missions. That's right, she is a rocket scientist. Prior to working for NASA, Joan worked for Blue Origin on the New Glenn Rocket and Naval Air Systems Command on jet engines, fuel systems, and biofuels research and qualifications. As a first-generation college graduate, she is all about representation in underrepresented communities, as well as encouraging people to pursue STEM careers through social media and nonprofits. She has the Instagram handle, Your Female Engineer. Please enjoy my interview with Joan Melendez Meisner. It is wonderful to see you on this Monday morning. Thanks so much for being a part of To Dine For, the podcast. I can't wait to hear more about you and your story. Uh, how are you doing this morning? Uh, really good. I actually had a nice three-day weekend. It was my anniversary on Friday, so we um, kind of celebrated all weekend. It was really nice. We didn't have to work, so now I'm back to reality and uh, so excited to be here. So thank you. Absolutely. So I'm going to ask a question you don't normally get asked, and that is, where is your favorite restaurant? That's actually, that's a really good question. Um, so I'm a 
pizza connoisseur and I, I like it. to have a lot of those like mom and pop pizza places and I'm really partial to New York style pizza. Yes. Um, I never really lived in New York, but when I visited, I just fell in love. So every place I've lived in, I always have to find that like one mom and pop restaurant. And I found one last week and it's called Ryan's Pizza in Cocoa Beach. And they have like the closest to New York pizza that I've ever had here in Florida. So I absolutely love that place. And yeah, I found it. I'm so excited because like their pizzas are huge. They're like as big as my face. Um, <laughs> and I just absolutely, I fell in love. So I'm like, I'm going to be a regular when I went there and I picked it up. I'm like, I'm definitely going to be a regular now. I love it. So you like a thinner, you like the thin sliced New York style. Yes. Pizza the thin slice so where you amazing. can, if you really like on the go, you can half it and then yes. just, like keep on going. Hold it over like a sandwich. Kind of pizza. It really yes. is. I agree with you. Yes. I, I live in Chicago, so I do like deep dish. My husband adores it, but there's nothing like a New York style pizza. It is so yeah. good. Yeah, I, I absolutely love it. Uh, I haven't tried uh, deep dish, but when I look at deep dish pizza, I'm thinking, is it like a lasagna? <laughs> because it's just so <laughs> it, big. It is. I, it's I like a casserole. So, yeah. So I've never had it, but when I go there, um, I definitely have to go try it. Definitely. I, I please the invitation stands for you to come to Chicago. I will take you out for deep dish pizza. And it <laughs> is it one slice is like an entire meal. It is very filling, but it is so good. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm so curious about your career and everything you've accomplished. Take me back to where you grew up. And did you know that you wanted to become a NASA engineer when you were a kid? Yeah, I um, I love answering this question because I know that's like what everybody thinks is, oh, you must have just loved space when you're a little kid and you wanted to be an engineer, you wanted to be an astronaut. Um, and I love to tell the story because I'm not one of those people. I'm just a little bit off and mm -hmm. it's okay because I'm one of those that found my passion while I was in college. Mm. So I didn't really know that I really wanted to be an engineer until after my first year in college. So taking you back a little bit, uh, I grew up in a military family. So my father was in the army. So we moved around a lot and I actually did live in Chicago when I was younger. So I don't know if I actually did have deep dish pizza, <laughs> you probably but if I did, did I, I don't remember, remember. it. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, I lived, you know, in Texas and just different areas in the United States, but my family's originally from Puerto Rico. So we did live in Puerto Rico for a little bit. Um, Spanish was my first language, but I, I grew up in, you know, military school. So therefore they were all English speaking. So I'm really grateful that I know both languages fluently, but I always wanted to be a doctor. But, mm. you know, when I was growing up, you know, I, I had the Barbies and I had like the typical Barbie houses and the Corvette and everything, but I also asked for very scientific toys. So mm. I was a really big nerd in that aspect because I asked for like the microscope with those slides that you yes. put in that already has like the bacteria in it. I asked for telescopes. And then I also asked for stethoscopes because I really wanted to become a doctor since a young age, because mm -hmm. I always loved the concept of helping people and just, you know, working to help people get better. And so, um, you know, I grew up, even though that is a STEM field, it's not the STEM field that I ended up with you know, currently right now. So, you know, I grew up thinking that I wanted to become a doctor. It wasn't until my first year in college where I got the opportunity to intern at a hospital. I got to intern in an emergency room out of all places, which is probably the most shocking uh, <laughs> place that you can work at. And it wasn't until, you know, I, a lot of people come in and they come in with all these different kinds of illnesses, some with emergencies, like actual ones, and they have to go right into surgery. And I was very 
grateful that I got to experience that because it made me realize that becoming a doctor was not for me. Um, you know, I saw so much blood and so much, so many needles. And that's when I was just like, I cannot handle this. And it, it got me a little bit sad because that's something that I was growing up thinking that I really just wanted to help people. It's really interesting that sometimes what we don't want to do is learning what we don't want to do is just as important as what we do want to do. Here you had probably been told your whole your whole life you're good in math, you're good in science, you should be a doctor. And and, yeah. and so you had internalized that and and what you missed in that moment was that you're really good at science and math and that that is a myriad of opportunities there. Absolutely. Yeah. So I mean I I was I was good in science, I was good in math and again, like you said, perfectly, I was just focused on one career path. I wasn't even thinking about, you know, being a scientist or an engineer. It didn't really cross my mind, you know, and also a lot of the stuff that you think about because you watch a lot of TV shows, you watch a lot of movies and you see, you know, especially females in those, like either being a doctor or a lawyer being, you know, if, if you want to have a good career, you have X, Y, and Z that you can be in. And so when I thought of an engineer or a scientist, I always thought of, you know, like Bill Nye, the science guy, yes. um, it was always a guy. And, and so I never really thought that this was a good career path for myself or, you know, a Latina woman in order for me to be successful and succeed in that career. And so maybe that's another reason why I didn't really gravitate to it mm -hmm. is um, because I didn't see a lot of people that look like me in those positions. And so Lynn, like you mentioned, I was extremely lucky my first year in college. That's when I realized I just could not become a doctor. And it wasn't because I wasn't good at math and science. It was because I just couldn't handle certain aspects of the career. You know, at that point, I turned to my guidance counselor. And that's when she brought up, hey, have you ever thought of engineering and, and you know, STEM in the uh, traditional sense? And so that's when I was just like, I never really thought about it. I told her, like, I didn't see myself in the career. I didn't see a lot of role models in it. It wasn't until, you know, the second, my second year, I started taking a lot of intro to, you know, engineering, a lot of uh, STEM focused classes. And I gained an internship with Naval Air Systems Command, which is a agency within the Navy and the Department of Defense working on aviation. Mm. And so I got to work on engines, I got to work with fighter jets, I got to work with qualifying biofuels for the Navy. And that's when I was like, wow, this is extremely interesting. I love the aspect of working with my hands and problem solving. And, you know, every single day being something completely different. And so that's when I just really dove into the STEM career and to engineering and to science. And at that point, I just was like, okay, I, I fell in love with it. And it wasn't again until college that I fell in love with the aspect of being a STEM professional. I grew up in Orlando. That was another area where I, I, I grew up most of my life because my father was stationed in Orlando towards the end of his career. So I was able to see, grow up with the space shuttle. I was right next to the space coast. So, you know, space was always in my mind, like, wow, this is just so extraordinary that we as human beings have landed on the moon, have built the International Space Station, all of these different things. And so it wasn't until 2019 where I got to go to NASA as a social media person, they have something called the NASA social and they'll bring social media personalities to a launch and you get to tour the facilities, you get to tour the labs, you get to talk to NASA engineers. And that's when I completely was like, okay, I love aviation, but now I really want to move into the space sector. And um, yeah, and that's where I am right now. Okay. Can you explain what your title is and what you do currently? Yeah, I am a mission integration engineer, and I work on all uncrewed and scientific missions that go to space. So what I mainly do is I focus on the interface between the rocket and the spacecraft. And so if you think of the spacecraft, you could think of the Mars rover. So my job is to make sure that that Mars rover 
survives the elements of the actual rocket launch. And so that um, involves a whole bunch of different things from, you know, uh, flight design. So you're trying to figure out the trajectory of the path of the rocket to actually testing and making sure that, you know, the, the shock and the environment of the actual, again, the rocket launch itself, that spacecraft is safe because there's a lot of expensive hardware there. And if it doesn't survive the actual rocket launch, then the mission is over. And so that's really interesting because my job, I get to work with so many different disciplines with electrical, mechanical, chemical, materials, contamination, all these different aspects of engineering. And I get to work with every single one of them. How were you able to overcome, as you said, one of the things that you, you didn't even know that there were opportunities out there because you didn't really see a Latina woman doing these things. So it's still, even though you, you are where you are, you must have been a bumpy and difficult road to get where you are. How did you overcome that? Obviously, you're pulled by your passion and what you're really good at. That's where you lead. You lead with your strongest card. But I'm just wondering, like, how has it been for you to get where you are? So the other thing that I struggled with is in another aspect of like not trying to see myself as an engineer, especially a NASA engineer, is because I thought that you had to be that, you know, 4.0 student, super genius. I mean, you, when you think of a rocket scientist, sure. you think of just like the smartest of the smartest people in the world. And so, you know, even though I was good in math and science, I didn't think that I was a genius to work at NASA. And so a lot of the things that I had to overcome is just feelings of myself, of pushing myself down, of that negativity, of just having that mindset of, oh, I can never be this because I'm not that 4.0 student, or I don't see myself in that role. Um, I had to overcome a lot of that stuff, especially in college. You know, I, I uh, failed a few classes in college and my GPA wasn't a 4.0. I actually graduated with a 3.2 GPA, which is, it's still good. Yeah, it's great. Um, but, you know, in, in your mind, you're thinking, well, you have to be 4.0 plus to be a rocket scientist. And so a lot of the things that I had to overcome was just, like I said, internal in that, that imposter syndrome that you think that you don't deserve to be in those positions, whether because you're not smart enough or because you're a woman, a Latina woman, you know, all of that stuff. And so what I started doing in college and I still do to this day is something that's called a brag sheet. And so what mm -hmm. I typically do is any accomplishments or any hurdles that have come to thus far and have overcome them, I write them down, mm -hmm. even if they're very minor. So, you know, that first class that I failed in college was organic chemistry. And I was, uh, you know, a chemist, you know, I was thinking, <laughs> how can I fail this one class? And so once I passed it, you know, I wrote that down, because mm -hmm. that was a hurdle in my path to becoming successful. And something as small as passing a class, I look at that and I say, okay, what did I do to pass the class? I worked harder. I persevered. I realized that I didn't learn a certain way. So I had to change the way that I learned. So being able to just do those small things turns you into the person that you are now. You know, those failures don't define you. They actually propel you to becoming more successful because if you ever come across those again, you already know how to overcome them or deal with them. And so, you know, I started doing that in college and I still do that to this day. And then the other thing that I do is, you know, I started recently doing it and it's called a gratitude jar. Mm. So I have a lot of positive thinking in a jar and it's actually right behind me. And so days that I feel down on myself or I feel like, you know, either a failure or just, I, I don't feel, you know, those positive thoughts aren't there and they have a lot of negativity. I open the jar and I read one of those positive thoughts that, mm. that have already been put in that I've already put in there. And that kind of makes me step out of that negativity that I have and start really 
focusing on the positive of just life or that situation in general. Oh, that's what a fantastic idea. Both of those are yeah. just really, really great ideas. We'll have more on this conversation in just a minute. But first, thank you to our sponsors. To Dine For the podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. There's a funny thing about most insurance commercials, whether they feature lizards or birds or funny cartoon characters. It seems like they want you to think about anything but insurance. American National, on the other hand, has real local agents who get to know you so they can help you reach better decisions about your insurance to make sure you're protecting what matters most to you. American National agents are part of your community. They're your neighbors. So whether it's solutions for your home, your small business, your farm, or your life, you can count on your local American National agent to make sure you get the discounts you deserve and the protection you need without paying for extras you don't. With American National, you get an ally, not just a web page. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write in the states in which they're licensed, visit AmericanNational.com dine. If you're like me, there are times when you want to feel like you're having a fancy cocktail, but you don't actually want the alcohol. So I love Kentucky 74 from Spiritless. It's a distilled, non-alcoholic spirit for your favorite bourbon cocktails, but with just 15 calories per serving and none of the guilt. You can pre-order your bottle today at spiritless.com. Use the promo code to dine for to get free shipping. Now back to our conversation. Building on what you just said about your brag sheet, which is something I think especially young men and women should do and they don't do because it's always something to go back and look at and say, okay, I'm having a tough day, but look at what I accomplished. Now that you've gotten your feet wet and you are in the throes of being in the world of rocket science, which is crazy, (laughs) right? It's probably hard for you to say. I wake up every morning. I pinch myself. (laughs) Or I bet you do. I bet you do. It's amazing. What do you think you are particularly or uniquely good at. So if I were to ask you what your superpower is, what would you say? I would say perseverance. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say perseverance is because, you know, when you think of where I am now, you know, NASA engineer working on all of these uh, missions. And so, so when you look at someone's career, you only look at that tip of the iceberg. You don't see everything that had to go underneath, which is a, a bigger iceberg. Totally. And so you don't see the failures. You don't see the, uh, the nights where I doubted myself, you know, that imposter syndrome. Um, so specifically with this job at NASA, I applied to NASA 13 times before I even got an interview. So wow. every single time. Yeah. And, <laughs> and honestly, when I talk to other people, that's a very low number. I know a friend of mine who was in the hundreds before he even got uh, an interview for an internship at NASA. And so perseverance is definitely, I would think my superpower because, you know, after the third time, after the fourth time, I could have said, you know what, I, that's not for me. I need to, I need to quit right now and just, you know, focus on my current career in aviation. It's still a great career. So what was it, what was it about NASA that A, you wanted to do it so badly and B, what kept you going to do it, to apply 13 times? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, NASA is when you're when you're an engineer, and you think of NASA, you think of just like the top of your career, you know, everybody wants to work at NASA, because you're working on something that's bigger than yourself, you're working on, you know, satellites that help collect data for Earth, and then also exploring other planets, like that's just so inherently cool to think about. 
But what kept me going was my passion and my determination to work at NASA. Mm-hmm. And every single time that I got, you know, passed over or I didn't get the interview, I, you know, like I said, I could have just stopped right there. But what kept me going was I talked to the manager or the recruiter and I was like, what can I do to, you know, what I usually tell people is, you know, you, you have to keep going because you may not be the right person for that job at that time. It doesn't necessarily mean that you are not destined to work at the location that you want to work at. Um, so what you want to do is you want to talk to the managers. You want to talk to the recruiter and say, what is it about my resume or my experience that gave you pause into giving me an interview? Like, what can I work on to make myself more competitive? And so each time I tried to learn from, you know, not getting it or, or not getting the interview and try to, you know, gain different skills. I wanted to get myself more competitive because I really wanted to work there. And that was my number one goal. So that's why I kept going. And so that's why I keep saying perseverance would probably be my superpower. That's incredible. Well, and you have a great, you have a great story to go along with that. 13 times <laughs> yeah. and you got the job. Now that you yeah. have the job, what is it like to work for NASA? And what has the experience been like for you? It's been absolutely fantastic. It's, it's been a little weird for me because I started in August of last year. So it was in the middle of the pandemic. So this has been my office this entire time. I actually haven't really met my coworkers face to face except through Microsoft Teams. Um, so it's been a little weird. But at the same time, it's just everything that I dreamed of. I mean, everyone is just super nice. We're all space nerds. You know, we're, we're all passionate about what we do. You know, one of the missions that I'm working on, it launches at the end of this year, and it's called the Double Asteroid Redirection Test, or DART. And it is going to be the very first planetary defense mission for planet Earth. So if you think of the, the early 2000s movie um, Armageddon, So, you know, when there was an asteroid headed our way, we sent Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck to go to the asteroid to try to destroy it. And then spoiler alert, something happened and, you know, (laughs) someone passed away. And so what we're trying to do is something similar, but not really. So uh, the one that launches at the end of this year, it's going towards a asteroid in our system that's as huge as the Washington Monument. So when you think of asteroids, we get hit by asteroids on a regular basis, but they're so small that they disintegrate within the atmosphere that we really don't see a huge impact. But once in a generation, there is a huge one that will be or could be heading towards Earth. So we want to make sure that we are able to defend ourselves if that ever happens. So what our mission is, is we're we're going to be sending a spacecraft to this asteroid and we are going to be colliding with it. And we want to hit it with such an impact that it's going to change the trajectory of that asteroid to a trajectory that would be steering it away from Earth. And so when you think about that, like, I I never even would have thought about missions like that. When I think of NASA, I think of, you know, man missions, like going to the moon, going to, since last year, we started sending astronauts again from US soil, but we don't really talk about the space exploration ones. And it's just so exciting to think about that. You know, I'm I'm working on just trying to defend the earth, which is just so insane to think about. (laughs) I mean, you literally um, sound like a character out of a a summer blockbuster. Right. And and I would have never really thought about just missions, being able to work on something like that, that helps humankind. It's just, I, I mean, I literally wake up, I think I mentioned earlier, I pinch myself. I'm like, this is just so insanely awesome. You know, the other aspect of my job is I get to be in mission control when we launch these rockets, because Mm -hmm. my specific role, um, like I mentioned, we're trying to make sure that that spacecraft survives the elements of the, the rocket launch. And so 
what I technically look at is the environmental control system. So you think of that as kind of like the AC unit for the spacecraft. We need to make sure that those components are safe, they're good to go during that rocket launch. And so being able to be one of the engineers that say go or no go is just so crazy to think about since Apollo 13 was one of my favorite movies of all time. And you see that, you know, those engineers being played in the control center. So it's just really neat to work on just all these different aspects of my role. So yeah, working at NASA is just insanely awesome. Your Instagram handle is your female engineer, correct? Yes. And you have really taken it upon yourself to be a huge advocate for young women to get involved with STEM. Talk about your vision for not only encouraging young women to make this career a dream and a reality, but also some of the actionable advice that you have for young women who are interested in doing exactly what you're doing now? Absolutely. I, my goal is to one day change my Instagram handle. So it just says engineer or something like that. Mm. Like that female part of it is no longer needed because, you know, we have achieved a point in our lives that there is no male or female dominated careers. Um, You know, right now the STEM profession is very male dominated because there's a lot of male colleagues that work in the STEM field. And one of my friends who is a male ally, he's an amazing engineer. One of his quotes, which I quote very often because it's fantastic is, my biggest fear is that the cure for cancer is in a young girl's mind that is told that science is for boys. Mm, So that right there, I think about it on a daily basis when I post on Instagram, when I post on social media, because I want everybody to be able to pursue a career that they want. I don't want them to fear to go into a career because it's either male dominated or female dominated. So, you know, you can take it on the other, on the other side, nursing is very female dominated, but you know, nursing should be just a career that you want to pursue because you want to help people, whether you're a female or male. Right. You should, it's almost like innate talent should drive right? innate talent and interest should drive people's decisions. And they need to be, they need to see Jones of the world to understand that it's possible. What advice do you give? I'm sure you talk to a lot of young women. What advice, especially for middle to high school age girls, do you, what do you say to them? I say, go towards your dreams, whether you don't think you belong, you do belong. We need more women. We need to diversify our career. You know, good example is when we had the first female spacewalk, it was, I think last year. And so it was uh, Christina, astronaut Christina and astronaut Jessica were out there. And the first time that they tried to do it, the spacesuit that they had up there, it was designed more for men, for, for male, because, you know, back in the day, there was only a lot of male astronauts. There wasn't a lot of female astronauts. And so they had to postpone that spacewalk because they didn't have the correct fitting suit in the Mm. International Space Station. And the reason we need more diversity in all fields is because if we had more female, you know, engineers or scientists or someone designing those spacesuits, they would have had more vision to have designed a a spacesuit that fits both men and women or something in, in that diversity that it would include more, female aspects to to it. So we need to have a diversified workforce in order for us to move forward in technology and space travel and anything. And so, you know, what I usually tell young women is don't be discouraged. You know, we need young minds like yourself because 
And I give that example. When we're thinking of the future generation going to Mars, there's different, obviously there's different biological constraints between a men and, and uh, male and female. So, you know, we need to have those female minds. We need to have that technology in place before we can even think about a civilization on another planet. So, you know, um, I encourage them to go towards their dreams. And I'm one of several thousands of female engineers on Instagram, on social media that they could follow that talk about this very thing. And so, you know, that's why we decided to do this community on social media is to open up that, like I think I mentioned earlier, I didn't really see myself in these careers because I didn't have a lot of role models. So that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to shed light into what we do, how we deal with any microaggressions, if there are any, because we, we try to be very realistic. And we give advice into if they see any microaggressions, if they have these kinds of feelings, we open up about all of that. So they understand what they are going to go into when they go into a very, quote unquote, male dominated field. Um, so that's what I, I love to encourage them is to, you know, reach out to us on social media. A lot of us, we answer her, our direct messages. We're here to mentor indirectly, you know, through social media, give advice, give uh, realistic approaches and be humble. You know, I'm trying to just humanize the STEM profession because I want everybody to know that even though we're scientists and engineers, even though I'm a, I'm a NASA engineer, I Google stuff. I don't know everything <laughs> and that is okay. I still <laughs> I don't want stuff. people to think, oh, I do every day. <laughs> I want people to know that you don't have to know everything to get into the field. But if you have a passion for science and math, you can still make it and you can be any engineer, any scientist that you want if you really do work towards your dreams. Joan, you're such an inspiration. You really are. I'm wondering who inspires you or who do you look up to? Is there someone that keeps you going? Because I'm sure you're an inspiration to a lot of young women, especially those that follow you on Instagram. That's really nice of you to say. Uh, My mom. and, And that's like, plain and simple. Um, You know, I'm the first generation Latina. So I'm the first one in my family to graduate college. And my mom um, just knew Spanish. And so when you know, my, my, my mother and father are from Puerto Rico, so they knew Spanish. And once my father joined the army, my mom had to leave everything behind and travel with my father. And so, um, you know, she had to learn English just by speaking to people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, on an army salary, three kids can't really, um, you know, get new clothes and stuff like that. So my mom got a job as a factory worker making ambulances with little to no English that she knew. So she learned English throughout the job. And then um, whenever we couldn't make ends meet, she also worked full time as a uh, she cleaned doctor's offices. So she would work full time in the factory and then she would get off of work and then she would go clean doctors and dentist offices. And she always told me that she wanted to for myself and my brother and sister to have a better life. And so she inspires me in every single way. She has always been my number one fan. (laughs) So I think she is definitely my role model and somebody that I look up to. Oh, that's incredible. And and to think that you are working on protecting the earth from a devastating <laughs> asteroid. Um, you are my, you're my favorite superhero of the summer. I've declared it. Okay. <laughs> Thank, you. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. This has been an absolute pleasure. I wish you nothing but success. I can't wait to share your story and put it out in the world because, you know, young women need to hear from you more, more, more Jones, please. <laughs> Thank you very much. It was an absolute pleasure to talk with you today. And, um, you know, if I if I do have any uh, dart patches or anything like that, I'll make sure to send it your way. Um, <laughs> so you can have a patch and then you can sport it around and then buddy that 
well, there's this one mission that's sort of like Armageddon, but you know, we're not going to get to that point. So <laughs> sending Bruce Willis to the asteroid is definitely just plan B. <laughs> Thank you, Joan. Keep protecting the earth. Keep protecting the earth. Have a wonderful <laughs> Thank summer. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to To Dine For The Podcast. For more information on the show, the guests, and the podcast, head to todinefortv.com. You can find us on Instagram at todinefortv and Facebook at todinefortwithkatesullivan. Thanks to the sponsors of To Dine For The Podcast, American National and Spiritless. Special thank you to producer and sound editor John Golner. To the loyal followers of this program, cheers, stay hungry, and stay inspired. I'll see you back at the table soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.